name of Jesus, amen. Growing up in Wisconsin, I remember times where my parents would wake my brother and I up in the middle of the night as a storm was raging outside. It would likely be, you know, not like a thunderstorm warning or something like that, but most of the time they'd wake us up if there was like a tornado watch or a warning. And they'd, they'd wake us up and we'd kind of stagger down the stairs and we'd go to the lowest point in our house, which was the first floor because our house was built on a slab. I don't remember if we were really, or I wouldn't think that we were actually that much safer because we weren't in a basement. But we would sit there on that first floor with our parents and we would be looking outside at the storm as it was going. You'd hear these significant rumbles of thunder and perhaps you've experienced that as well or you've seen the night sky light up as lightning stripes happen one after the other. Those types of storms bring different reactions within people. For some, storms like that are are ones that bring fear. Recognizing that maybe there was damage that happened in their life to a home, to belongings because of a storm, a tornado. But the other is The other is awe and wonder, just amazement at the sense of power that's coming from nature. I know sometimes, I think Emily and I both at times miss those powerful storms. No, she doesn't. All right. I do. I miss those times of hearing the rumble of thunder and seeing the crack of lightning. Because I feel like it just doesn't happen in Michigan. I never see the, the lightning or see these big storms. Lately, we haven't even seen just a dribble of rain, haven't we? As I prepared for what is known as Trinity Sunday, I would decided to do something I normally don't do, which is look in the lectionary, which is like a list of passages and when to preach them. When, uh, and so it was Psalm 29 is what they said for this Trinity Sunday. And so I, I said, yeah, let's do, we'll, we'll do Trinity Sunday and Psalm 29. And what I found out is that it's more of an ode to a storm and has absolutely nothing to do with the Trinity. So I will not be spending 25 minutes, Steve, on uh, talking about the Trinity, uh, but we will spend some time looking at, at Psalm 29, an, an ode to a storm, and an opportunity for us to maybe think about, understand the power of God through the familiar image of natural things that happen here in this world. So let's head to Psalm 29 this morning. You'll find it on, I think, page 444 in those black Bibles, or somewhere around there. Yeah? All right. 
Let's start together at verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Siron like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the deserts. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And all in his temple cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Let's take a few moments and we're going to work through this passage together. I didn't bring the clicker. Hunter, if you want to go to the uh, verse 1. Right away, if we see this passage, it talks about heavenly beings. Now, we think about heavenly beings, there's probably something that comes to mind. You think of angels, right? And, and it would be good to think of angels because we would say, yeah, they're heavenly beings, but uh, I don't normally do it, but we're going we're gonna to go to some original language stuff here. I, I normally don't do this because I want us to trust the Bible we have in front of us. I want us to recognize that what we read is God's truth and that there's typically not some like hidden secret meaning. Uh, but sometimes what we find is that languages have difficulty in translation. Uh, Casey and I met recently with uh, Joshua Jiang, who's in South Korea as our missionary. And as we were talking, he was saying uh, how when he speaks with individuals in China about ministry-related things, they use coded language by, in, uh, by moving a character, or using a character you wouldn't normally do in a certain spot. And he's like, well, you really can't do that in the English language. And in the same way, here, we would normally talk about God as big G, and then we would have a word, little g, for like what we would say God's something other than the Lord. And that's kind of what's going on here, is that what the word being used that's being translated as heavenly beings, or if sometimes your translation says mighty ones, or, or things like that, what the root word is actually is, is God's, but they, don't wa they didn't want to use that particular thing. It was a common word that they used, but it was only used four times within Scripture. One time right here, and another time, uh, another psalm as well, where it says, who can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? Where it's actually, who is like the Lord among the gods? 
Ascribe to the Lord, you gods. And it would be kind of confusing for us, wouldn't it, if, if Scripture was somehow acknowledging a plurality of gods when we believe that there's only one. So that's kind of why they chose that translation. But if we go back in time to the time of the writing, we recognize in the ancient Near East that the belief was that there was multiple gods. That there were gods over a variety of things that even in Egypt, there was a god of sun. There was the god over the waters. There was so many variety of gods. And in this psalm, what David writes is that the Lord, even if there was other gods, is above all of them. That all of these other lowly gods must acknowledge and recognize that it's the Lord, the God of Israel, that has strength and power. It is He who who must be glorified above all else. The psalmist distinguishes the God of Israel from all the other divine, heavenly, mighty ones, all the other gods and religions of the day. I think sometimes it's hard for us to to think about what God is like, to think about His power, His glory, His majesty. Maybe it's hard for us to describe. You know, there's times in Scripture where we know people have seen the Lord and seen God's glory. If you went to Exodus chapter 33, we would read about Moses and how how Moses asked to see God and God said, well, you'll probably die. But I'll give you this. I'll, I'll put you in this little crevice of a rock and I'll cover you with my hand and then I'll let my glory pass you and then I'll let you peer through my fingers to just see a glimpse of my back. And Moses sees the the glory of God and he meets God. And when Moses comes back to the Israelites, to the, the people of the Lord, Moses' face was glowing. His face was glowing because of the glory of God and the people were afraid and said, can you put a veil on your face? And so Moses wore a veil to cover what glory somehow went on to him that was making the people fearful of the power and glory of the Lord. There's other times too where people have seen or witnessed the glory and power of the Lord. If we were to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, God directs the prophet Elijah to go to a mountain and wait for him to pass by. And, and maybe you've heard this passage before that all of a sudden the mountains broke apart, but 
that wasn't the Lord's presence. Then this strong wind came, but that wasn't the Lord's presence. And then an earthquake happened, and then a fire happened. And none of those powerful things were the Lord's presence. It was the whisper that came after that was the presence and glory of the Lord coming to Elijah. Since we're doing hand-raising today, how many of you have experienced the presence of the glory of the Lord? One, a couple people, right? How many have experienced it in the same way that Moses did or that Elijah did? Probably less. Here in Psalm 29, the, the remaining verses from verse 3 through 9 talks about the splendor and the glory and the power and the majesty of the Lord in those ways that we can understand. The storm. David takes us to the Mediterranean Sea as a, a storm passes from the Mediterranean and meets the land. The power and wonder of the Lord through thunder, through the shaking of the earth, through the breaking of trees, through the thundering, through lightning. This is the only passage in the entire Old Testament that equates the Lord's power with what we would call natural phenomenon. The only passage that talks about the Lord's power in terms of like weather. And so let's, let's, let's go through here. Let's go to uh, verse 3, if you can put that up. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. He thunders over the mighty waters. David's imagining a storm, an impending storm coming over to the Mediterranean from the Mediterranean Sea. And we have the opportunity because of wonderful Lake Michigan to imagine the same thing. How, how many of you have sat by Lake Michigan or some lake as you see some impending storm, some dark clouds coming our way? You see those dark clouds and you maybe feel the weather change as the, the wind blows in. You can hear those distant rumbles of thunder as they come and you see the effects as the waters begin to move from a calm state to, to having white caps. You see the people changing the flag from green or yellow to red that says, nah, don't go swimming right now. The storm coming in from the lake. The Lord is over the water. The God's voice is like the thunder which we hear in a distance. 
the voice of the Lord is that impending storm. One that could bring fear or one that can bring awe. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. As those distant cracks or rumbles of thunder come closer, soon they turn into those cracks of lightning. Those things that bright up the night sky. Those rumbles that begin to shake the house that you're in. I'm sure we've experienced that before where some crack of lightning or rumble of thunder seems so close that the the very uh, decorations that you have on the wall almost shakes just a little bit. The voice of the Lord is powerful and it is majestic. Verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars in Lebanon were, were the largest and most well-known trees in the region. They were were the trees that provided wood for basically everything that was built. And now these beautiful, majestic trees are being snapped like twigs because of the power and the glory and the majesty of the Lord. Just his very voice. We've perhaps seen that as well. As we see the aftermath of some serious tornado storm or straight line winds. Just recently, one of my neighbors, they have a a trailer that is permanently uh, at a campsite they went to go check on the camper and found a tree sticking straight down in the roof of the camper. Just recently, this, I think it was this last summer, Emily and I looked outside and the tree that was in between the sidewalk and the road had tipped over. And I'm like, well, it was a Friday. It must have been hit by a garbage truck or something. And so I went back and looked at the camera and I saw leaves rustling and then just out of nowhere the thing tipped over. The power and majesty of the Lord to break trees. To snap them like twigs, like they're nothing. And what happens with all this power, all this glory, all this majesty, we find in verse 9, at the end of the verse 9, it says, all the people in the temple cry glory. As the storm continues and oaks are twisted and just like the tree in my yard toppled over, The response is not fear. The response of the people in the temple is awe. Amazement at 
what the Lord can do. Their response isn't running down to the basement to get away, but it's to give praise and glory and honor to the Lord because of who He is and what He has done. And then it moves back to like the way it first started. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due to His name. The end finishes. The Lord is enthroned as King forever. And the Lord strengthens and blesses His people with peace. Now, if we were thinking about the storm, continuing to think about the storm, the peace that we would experience would be like that calm after the storm, wouldn't it be? The stillness and the quiet as the the cracks of lightning cease and the rumble of thunder goes away, but that's not the peace that we're talking about here. It's not the same thing. The peace that is being provided is shalom. A recognition that things are the way that they should be. That even though things have have broken, that the trees have, have broken like twigs, that the oaks are twisted, that this power has come through, that there is this sense that this is the way it should be and this is the way it is. A recognition in that peace that this is the way the Lord always is. The Lord always has that majestic power that we see in the breaking of trees even when All we see is calm waters and rustling leaves. Even though God has the power to shatter, to shake, and to break, He also has immense power to save. To bring peace to bring things back to the way they should be. To bring His power in person to flesh. To bring His power in person of the Holy Spirit living inside each of us. The same power that we see in the storm the same power that we see in Christ as He heals, the same power that we see by the Holy Spirit raising Jesus from the dead, lives in us. And that should give us a sense of peace. That should give us a sense of recognizing things are the way they should be. That the Lord's power, however immense, great, and wonderful, is always residing in us, is always strengthening us, is always prepared to help 
push us through each and every day. Just as the Lord's strength pushes those storms of life past. Let us go to the Lord in prayer and thank Him for His immense power, His glory, and His presence. Father, we thank You for how You continually accommodate us. How just as we change language so that small children could understand what we're saying, that You bend down to us and speak with words that we understand. That we could understand the strength and power of Your glory. That we could begin to understand how it is that You function in power, not only as Father, but as Son and Spirit. But we also thank You how You, you choose to empower us to live as Your people. And our prayer is that we would glorify You in all areas of life. Whether it's currently among the storm of life, or whether it's those moments of peace and assurance that we may give You glory. That all the people in Your temple would cry glory and give You honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us rise together in body your spirit as we sing in response and prepare ourselves to receive communion with the hymn... <coughs> Come thou almighty king.